Good evening, everybody. Pastor Matt Heath here, Strong Community Chapel. Joining with me, as always, is Pastor Glenn Davis of Willow Branch United Methodist Church. Howdy. And this is two guys who happen to be, happen to be pastors. Two guys who get together every week and we talk about all the aspects of ministerial life in of and outside of the pulpit. As I mentioned, I'm one of your hosts, Matt Heath. We thank you for listening to us, however you found us. From what I've seen from our numbers, Glenn, it is typically Apple Podcasts, um, and which makes sense because it also says the type the devices that are are being listened to on are iPhones. So, everybody out there in iPhone world, we welcome you. Good to see you. Thanks uh, for having us. Mm-hmm. Uh, We'd love to do this at your wedding if you'd have us. You know, we're pretty cheap. You know, I'm good I've food. De- you know, I've DJed weddings. Have you? you? Know oh. I did not. I didn't, know, I didn't know until the day of I was doing it, but oh. I've done it. <laughs> <clears throat> well. Um, Give you a computer and a playlist. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, I didn't say I was particularly good at it. I mean, all you need is, you know, iTunes and, you know. Now be careful. We don't want the DJs coming after us. Well, you know what? <laughs> I, they're, well, they're not. They're too heavy. Well, I guess they don't carry uh, uh, the CDs or anything like that anymore. Um. But if you're also listening to us on Apple Music, on or Apple uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, Anchor, also on our Facebook page, to you guys at me, pastors, give us a listen, give us a look, and let us know where you're listening to, listening from, I should say. Well, folks, we're gonna talk about something tonight. I'm excited about this one. I mean, we've shared a little bit about what we like, you know. We have a lot of the same hobbies. Um, you have a little bit more, and I'm a simple man of simple taste. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about hobbies. We're going to talk about what we like doing in our spare time. Well, um, you know, I figured you probably didn't have as much spare time because you're constantly having it out with Harry. So, Well, you know, it, it, <clears throat> it's either Harry. Uh, this week, actually, it was with our house. The well pump went out. Yikes. That was a fun uh, check to write, let me tell you. And then conveniently, they crawl underneath the house and look and see. Oh, by the way, all your uh, septic line, your septic lines underneath the house are cracked, sagging, need to be replaced. Lovely. Yes, yes. How much uh, is that going to cost? I don't know, but I'm going to say this. I mean, it's one of those questions: Are we all going to be eating dog food, or just a kid? Hot dogs are cheap. No, I tell that's you, the only thing left. Yeah, that's about it. Bologna's not well. It's it's even got up. Golly. Shots at the Aldi. Well, there you go. It's German food for German prices. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, I don't I don't speak good German. I don't. I just know that it's really aggressive. It is fairly. For those of you for translation, he said, "Hello, how are you? Are you having a nice day?" I don't day? think I said anything, but you, if I did, you can write to us and let us know. <laughs> You know, I took We're not big on speaking in tongues around no, here. No, no, that's 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 in the southern part of the state. Um, you know, I took three years of German, and the only reason I took German, it was either between that and Spanish. And I felt that I would not use Spanish in my day-to-day life, but I felt like I would use German more because I thought the Amish spoke German. Oh, what a simple boy I was. Um, they speak an entirely different dialect than what we know. Um, but, you know, looking back at the week also, we had the, the, the draft, the NFL draft go on this weekend. Big time. 
Uh, so Three Purdue Bola makers. Nothing wrong draft. with that. That's a good one. Fifth of the Georgia Bulldogs that went in the draft. <laughs> so. um, but you know, we've had some time. You know, it's been a kind of a good weekend. You know, uh, you know. But we hope we're glad you have to have us with you tonight, and um, looking forward to getting getting into this show a little bit. So. As shocking as it may seem to you, yes, we do have hobbies. Yes, we do like doing things outside of the pulpit. Um, so we're just we're just gonna dive on in. Next week is also going to be a fun episode because it ties in with this a little bit. Because I have a feeling some of the um, some of the hobbies that we have had that we have. Stem from something that we like doing as chi- as children, um, or even young teens or young adults, and it invokes a sense of nostalgia. That'll be next week's episode. But this week, we're gonna talk about our hobbies, what we like doing. Glenn, I know you've got a pretty healthy list. I do. Mm. I've got a pretty healthy list here. You take the reins. Well, uh, I was going to let you know that uh, I've taken to, uh, I've got a new job for those of you out there who don't know. I, I have an, I have a uh, elementary school education license, which means in the great state of Indiana, I could teach children K through 6. Now, various different schools, which ones have 6th grade at the middle school or at the elementary school. That, that's a real thing. There's some elementary schools that have 6th grade in the elementary. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. Um... I've started teaching high school recently. That was a scary prospect. Uh, mostly because I was not a particularly good math student, and two hours of that day are in math. Mm. Algebra and geometry. Kill me now. <laughs> uh, but I've taken to it well, and I did so much algebra last week, I was helping a student finish up a World War II test. And I was so spent... On the math crap, I could not remember General Eisenhower's name. Real? I said, you know, the guy, Europe, my, my grandfather worked for him in World War II. Literally worked for Eisenhower. <laughs> Took notes from Eisenhower. I couldn't remember. I just looked at the kid. I'm like, you know, I think my brain is just out of gas. Okay, you know that. So I have to stop and fill up on the way home. You know that social security card red. you have in your in your wallet. Take, go ahead and take it out and give it to me because <laughs> you have been revoked as an American in my eyes, boy. Well, we were talking. They've moved on to talking about you know the red scare, the lavender scare, the craziness of McCar- or, or uh, McCarthy, not MacArthur. Yeah, McCarthy. That was fun to explain to kids. Well, I thought his name was MacArthur. Different guy. No, no. Different guy. Still a little... MacArthur's in Japan throwing his weight around at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> he got fired by Truman and the whole thing went to pot. But no. No, yeah. that's been wearing me out. So, um, I wrote a sermon about, I don't know, 10, 10 12 years ago called 167 Hours. Sounds provocative. It's it a great does. Title. It does. There's 168 hours in a week, and if you go to church, you have 167 hours to do all these different things. And I never liked the sermon that I wrote. I've never been able to fix it the way I wanted, but it seems to fit tonight because there's a whole lot of time during the week that we get to do stuff. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, particularly our big church churchgoers in our in our uh, various pulpits and congregations, think that we just do church all week. 
Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is not true. No. Um, I devote probably 10 to 15 hours to my sermon, and that's with about 20 years' experience. Mm-hmm. So I would assume most folks, and I know this isn't true either, <laughs> most folks who haven't done it as long as I have are working on them longer. I know, again, I know that's not true. Um, but there's a lot of time there. So if you take that out, there's still 140 hours roughly. For me to do things that I enjoy, um, this should come as no surprise to anyone from the things that we talk about. I'm a huge baseball fan. I will literally just go watch baseball. I'm. We have the Indianapolis Indians here um, locally, who is a AAA affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's not a bad deal. There's some guys who are playing in the pros there. Mm-hmm. It's pretty high-quality baseball. Uh, when I travel to California, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, who are the 1A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and you can pay 10 bucks, sit right on the field, brother. I mean, really? That's a good deal. That's not bad at all. And yeah. you can see the future of the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is a lot better than it was 10 years ago, because 10 years ago, they sucked out. Oh, loud, yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> it's a lot better now. Um Big, big, of course, you guys know from us talking, Monster Reds fan, despite the fact that they're currently, I believe, 3-21. Three wins, 21 losses. How the crap did they win three games? I, <laughs> I mean, you're the, the famous Bull Durham line. Yeah. What's our record? 8-16. and 8-16. and 16. How the hell did we win eight games? Um... <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, I just I've I've always enjoyed watching the game. It's it's where I spend most of my summer. If I can get down to the Great American Ballpark, that's what we do. And um, I, f- I follow who's coming up in the system. I've I've got my favorite players. I've been sold out for Joey Votto for a long time, and I get it honest. It's a multi generation deal. I've told the story here at least to you. I don't know mm-hmm. if I told it on air where uh, my uh, nanny Coons, my great grandmother. On my dad's side, um, was a big red machine fanatic. If you're not familiar, for some of our friends who may be overseas or not familiar with baseball, the Cincinnati Reds had a dynasty in the 1970s where they went to three or four straight National League championship games, went to the World Series twice, won back to back World Series championships. It was called the Big Red Machine. Pete Rose was on the team, mm, oh, yeah. who you might have heard of. Uh, George Foster, Johnny Bench, you know, they were just loaded with talent. And my granny Coons would have married Johnny Bench if he had offered. She didn't <laughs> even know him. She didn't care. Right, yeah. That was her dude. And my uncle came in one day and turned the TV in her house. And she said, turn it back. She was watching the Reds. She said, turn it back. He said, why? Well, they're just a bunch of high-priced and, and used a slur. Yeah. <clears throat> and the Marlboro that she was talking through went out on the back of his neck. Oh, man. And she turned it back for him. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I'm not making that up. That, so the wow. rads are deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that makes sense. I think Davises are good Reds fans. I, I can. That's the more. I, I think so. A little bit. I mean, more than more. more than a little blue collar, a little more country than you'd care <clears throat> for. You know, kind, of, <laughs> kind of deal. Um, also, and this makes less sense to people. 
fairly big Yankees fan, and I will tell you why. There's a reason. Uh, my grandfather uh, was a knuckleballer from Indiana, and I have it on good authority that he was scouted by both the Cubs and the Yankees. Oh. Um, nothing ever came of it. You're not going to look him up and find a bunch of scouting notes and things, but uh, he was at the very least good enough that, that they you know, sent him a letter, sent some correspondence, but... He was fairly happy with what he was doing and never went for it. So kind of like a Moonlight Graham situation. Well, that, yeah, that was the late 1940s. Okay. And, you know, you can make 1500 bucks and live in the city and play baseball or you can make 1500 bucks work in the factory and be close to your family. I mean, you made yeah, the choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And he was not going to be Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig or and Joe, Joe DiMaggio or any of those guys. So he he stayed home. And but but it's fun to think about, and anyone who took a look at somebody from Fowlerton, Indiana, <clears throat> can have my allegiance. Oh so, yeah, okay. Uh, big in baseball, big in football. Mm-hmm. We talked about the draft this weekend. Um, the Denver Broncos did not pick very many players. Um, no. Their big draft pick this year was ten-year veteran Russell Wilson, the quarterback. <laughs> uh, made a trade for that. I was tickled pink. We finally have a quarterback now to succeed Peyton Manning. We haven't had that. Well, um, and that's the honest truth. I said when the Colts uh, got rid of Peyton and he signed with Denver, uh, somebody asked me, they're like. Oh, well, are you going to become a big Peyton Manning fan now? You know, are you going to jump on the bandwagon? I said, frankly, I don't care who plays quarterback for Denver. You can play quarterback for Denver as long as you put a trophy in the freaking trophy case, <laughs> which Peyton did. He did. So, I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. I'm good with it. He walked off with a championship, and just like John Elway did, and that, that's the way we like him. Oh, right absolutely. Here. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Um, as I say, I looked at their draft picks. I, it was a lot of defensive players, so I know they're kind of retooling there. But uh, I mean, I, I'm not big into basketball. I've, I've never really been big into basketball. I had season tickets to the Pacers mostly because they were cheap and they were playing for championships there for a few years. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just it's it's not my speed. It's not it's not really my game. The games can be fun to watch. I mean, the talent level at that level is just ridiculous. Well, but yeah, I mean. The speed and the accuracy and, and the, the moves and the handling. I mean, it's, it's a fun game, but honestly, I'm not even that big into college basketball unless Purdue's playing, and then I just want Purdue to win. Well, that's, so. yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, not everybody's perfect, by the way, on basketball, but, <clears throat> I mean, I, I I kind of agree with can, it. Can I, we do a hot take here real quick? Yeah, hot take. Go. Yeah. Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time. Fight me. I'm not even I, I'm not even going to disagree with you. I, I the second greatest basketball player of all time is Bill Russell. Fight me. Well, Eleven yeah. titles. Eat it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. LeBron James is not the third best player of all time. Fight me. I am at Willow Branch United Methodist Church. If you can find it, I'll be here. And then I'm going to call the cops because I'm not really going to fight you. (laughs) Well, I mean, I grew up with those guys. I mean... Not Bill Russell. Not Bill Russell, He's still alive, I think, isn't he? I think. I don't know. I mean, look. But... Because he played basketball during segregation. I mean, he's yeah, up he there. was he was he's up there. Bill Russell. 
Um, but Phil, oh my gosh, he is. He's 88 years old. Good for him. Oh my gosh, he's been married three times, but um, he got married in 96 and got divorced in 09. Well, did she die? <laughs> Hang on. I'm going to feel really bad if I... No, she did die. <laughs> I feel bad. Okay, good. good. Um, but, Not good that she died, but good that they didn't divorce. Good for them. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, basketball, of course, I'm a hometown guy. I'm a, I'm a Hoosier through and through. Not not that horrible... St- uh, not that horrible team to the south of us, but... I say, you can't say school because they turn out pretty good eye doctors. So. They do. I, I agree with that. Um... But IU Optometry School, shout out. <laughs> Not bad. My eye doctor went yeah. to IU. Oh well. Him, so. But um, you know, I I I enjoy a good basketball game. I agree with you. I it, it's I'm, I mean I'm I like football. I don't mind it. You know, but I like watching. And I've said it before. I like college level or high school level. When you get to the NFL and you get to the big leagues, like, I don't hardly watch the NBA at all. Like, why? Why would I want to watch, you know, seven millionaires and, you know, basketball shorts go out and just play ball and have fun? It's good stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, sorry. But, no, I, I agree with you. It's it's a good t- it's a good way to to pass the time, but on the flip side of the coin... I I don't get as in depth as a lot of folks do. I in the sports. I mean, I do. I mean, I can, I can hang. I can talk. I can stay up with. I stay up with it as much as I can. Um, but I I'll be on like usually like when football season's going on, I'm in the field in the fall. When basketball season's going on, I'm out feeding calves. I mean, if I get a chance to catch a game, awesome. And then in the spring, well. Luckily, there's not that many sport. Well, baseball. That uh-huh. you know. <laughs> you know, you just you just remind me of an old Rodney Carrington joke. Gary Coleman's out there feeding the cows. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for him. Putting those guys up back to work. Yeah, those little nice. out-of-worked actors. You know. Well, right. I, I I could tell somebody something that that we have in common that we enjoy doing together is mm-hmm. watching various uh, television episodes now. Saying that television is your thing is not really appropriate to say. It's everybody. No, it, it is, but but uh, we I know we have an affection. Oversimplified history. We oh, like to watch. Uh, love it. Shout out to those folks if they're ever listening. Uh, they're looking back through the chronicles of this show <laughs> and find this. Uh, if you don't know what oversimplified history is, check it out. It's a it's a channel on YouTube where they basically poke fun at historical events, and they explain them in a way that's easily understandable, and it's fairly funny. They just did an episode, The War of the Pig, where Mm -hmm. the United States and Great Britain were fighting over some islands out between Victoria Island and Washington State. And a potato farmer had a pig get into his potatoes, and he shot it, and it belonged to a British guy, and almost brought war between the United States and Great Britain... (laughs) But right before the Civil War, it was like yeah, it was like fifty, yeah, yeah. And they have World War Two, the Cold War, the Civil War. They have the uh, the the Emu War. Emu Wars, yeah. Australia declared war on emus and lost. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, but 
That's a really good time. Of course, we watch Letter Kenny. Oh, absolutely. Which, yeah. if you haven't checked out Letter Kenny, please do. Put the kids to bed before. You uh, do. yeah. Uh, yeah, I was watching Duck Dynasty the other day, and that—that's a good show. I think we all like binge watching shows. Oh yeah, I mean, that. yeah. There's an episode I watched where Phil and Kay Robertson got cats, and that was that was a oh. fun episode. Stella Matt before the show, I just kept doing it. Oh, tinkle tinkle on your mother's quilt. <laughs> that cat basically marked his territory on Miss Kay's mom's quilt, and that was the end of it. No. Well, you better get him out of here. And of course, we know the Food Network. Who doesn't like watching the Food Network? Yeah. Yeah. Guy Fieri and Bobby Flay getting beat by people in the oh, kitchen. Yeah. And Chopped. Chopped is always fun unless they get weird. Yeah, they. You and know. Sometimes I watch. They had Nutria one time, which is like a rat. Yeah. It's like, nope, I'm not watching. It, this it's one. it's that was uh, a little more hit and miss. That that one. Well, you know why new? Well, they they probably did that, don't you? In Louisiana, the Nutria rat is a menace. It is actually an infestation. There's invasive actually invasive species. Yeah, it not? is it's it not is. Na- it's not. It's natural. not. It's not natural, but it is an invade. It's like kudzu. If you ever heard of that, it's a vine. But the Nutria rat literally it tears up you know landscapes. It damages trees. It literally, I mean, it will tear a forest apart. So the Louisiana government some years ago invoked a uh, law policy. They would pay you. I think it was like it's like ten or fifteen bucks a head for right? the hide. Yeah. And the other thing, it started off they didn't really want to pay them, but they started like. It was kind of funny. They invented like re- recipes for you to use the Nutri Rat in cooking. It's supposed to be like, oh, it's better than chicken. That's all. No, friends, no. chicken is chicken. Nutri Rats are just that rats. Oh, uh, I gotta share this with you. I heard a comedian one time talking about Rocky Mountain oysters. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Oh, they're delicious. <laughs> and he said, What a Rocky Mountain oyster? What's that? And they said, well, it's a bull testicle. And he said, is it? What's it taste like? Is it chicken? He said, you bring me some chicken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're not. I, I've had a few in my, of course, raising cattle. You don't. Oh, if you've had cattle or pig. Or yeah. If it's a pig. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's not bad. you got to brace yourself. You don't. You almost, I think you got to get over that you're eating. You, you really have to start eating them before they tell you what they are. I didn't know what they were at the time. I was over at you know, a buddy's house. His uh, wife was frying them up. And I'm like, ooh, these are really good. You know what that is? I said, no. It's like, it's the nuts off a bull. Mm. <laughs> I had a mouthful of it, too. I'm like, well, hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> I didn't know that. It tastes really good. But... It reminds me, did you ever see the movie Funny Farm with Chevy Chase? I did not, tell me. It, it is a movie, it, it, I don't think it was a very high ranked movie, but he's an author for like a newspaper, He go, they buy a house in the country, and they start trying to create a life and all this stuff. Well, the restaurant in the town that they're in, and they've got a bunch of goofballs, like the mailman is like, he speeds by, he gets all liquored up and drunk and everything, and literally drives by you know, going probably 60 or 70 miles an hour on a country road and flings their mail out. I mean, that's the kind of guy that they got. Well, in the restaurant, he's like scooping up, he's like eating these things called lamb fries. And he's eating them and he said, you know, you're at 28, the record was 29, he broke it. 
And then as soon as he broke it, said, man, nobody just has a taste for testicles anymore. And he said, and his wife said, testicles? Got the counter said, yes, ma'am, sheep balls. And all of a sudden it just, it just comes out. <laughs> and later in the movie, he's, he addresses the town. He said, his name's Andy Farmer. And uh, they said, uh, now coming up to, uh, to speak, a uh, person of local fame and current lamb fry record holder, Andy Farmer. <laughs> he comes up, he's like, please don't say that anymore. <laughs> but, go ahead. No, I well, mean, do you like to, you, you uh, Christy, like to travel? A little bit, every once in a while. Yeah, look, that's another one of our big things. Lauren and I like to travel. We're, we're looking for a new place to go. We're talking about, oh, Lord help me. We're talking about Salem, Massachusetts, maybe, the, the next year or two. She just wants to fulfill that weird hocus-pocus fantasy well, she has. Well, she's a big fan of New Orleans. The, pro- the problem with New Orleans has been there's just not a ton there to do that you haven't already done. Eat. I mean, like one or two times you go there, you've, you've seen it. Yeah. Uh, beautiful city, kind of. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to get, get people in New Orleans after me. Um a lot of people who go to New Orleans, who really like New Orleans, Lauren included, mm-hmm. love New Orleans. It's Nolans, excuse me, mm. Nolans. It's the greatest place on earth. There's a story there, a joke there, that a man came up to a woman on the street in New Orleans. Nolans, I'm having a hard time doing oh, that. Oh man, came up to a woman on the street in Nolans and said, "Ma'am, you've won an all expenses paid trip." Anywhere in the world that you want to go, you just got to tell me. And she said, honey, I'm already there. Oh. And they got their little French phrases. Now, they're not pompous like the folks up in Quebec where they demand you speak French. But uh, Nolan's full of people that are of a French Creole Cajun culture. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Hey, I'm a you know, Farmer Fran and whatnot. <laughs> Farmer Fran, okay, Ed Orgeron, whoever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go. But uh, we've done that. I've gone, now, the difference between New Orleans and California, which is the other place I travel a lot, of course, mm-hmm. you all know we've referenced Lindine Kessett here. Uh, California, I've been going for 20 plus years, and I still don't think I've seen it all. Really? Well, it's the a good LA state. area. Well, yeah. the LA, San Diego, like where you. We've made arrangements. We're going to go down to the San Diego County Fair. We're going to stay in this real nice hotel right on the beach. And that's going to be cheap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there's just so much to do there. There's just some places you go, you see it once, you see it. Yeah, I agree now, with we, you. We, when COVID was so bad in 2020, we were allowed to travel in state fairly easily. Of course, some of the states around us didn't want us traveling into them, like Illinois and Ohio. I ain't going to forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we went down to Terre Haute. I feel like we saw Terre Haute. Yeah. We went down there for a couple days. I feel like we saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I I had to share. My, I had a, a great, my great grandmother, <laughs> I kid you not. So did you go to Terre Haute or West Terre Haute? Oh, we went to Terre Haute. Okay. We went to Candles. Candles was Can, cool. Yeah. Ava Kors Museum. Go mm-hmm. and see it. If, if you ever want to come see something in Indiana, make that part of your trip. It's a Holocaust museum. She was one of the twins in the Mengele experiments. And uh, was her museum? They have a hologram of her there. You could talk to. And really, it's I, very cool. I wish I'd had. Cause you had a chance to meet her a few times, didn't you? 
I did not meet her in person, but I know someone who knew her real well. We yeah. both do. Yeah, we is, do. Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know she was when she passed away. I know Megan was pretty tore up. A about lot that. of people were. Yeah, because it was very unexpected. She was well. I mean, she was the most vocal. Not to get off sidetrack or anything, but um, there are, as we have seen, there are people who still believe that that did not happen. That that there's no way that could have possibly ever taken place. Well, and it's it's a two sided deal. There, it's a double edged sword for her because. Not only does she combat folks who don't may not think it happened, but she combats folks that, that aren't in a mood to forgive. And her message always was, you know, if I forgive you, I'm free from it. It's yeah. not on me You're anymore. not carrying it anymore. And Absolutely. she would forgive people. She would go to trials and forgive people in person who tortured her. Wow. And people would get mad at her, scream at her, and just accost her outside courtrooms and stuff. And she would say, that guy doesn't have any power over me anymore. You feel however you want, honey. I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell you how you feel. But I feel better. And yeah. and it was, yeah. So if you can make that part of your trip, it's, yeah. it's worth seeing. And of course, they have they have a Shakey's there, which I thought was nice. Oh, well. I'd never been to a Shakey's. you never been to a Shakey's? So, <laughs> that was interesting. Um, I, I, I wanted to go to a Bennigan's. I think they had a Bennigan's. Benny- oh, a man. You got to go to Bennigan's. Absolutely. So yeah. I think, you know, I've, I've traveled a lot of the country. I've driven to California and back. I've driven to Florida and back. I've driven to the Northeast and back. You know, I've done I've done some trips. Uh, went to Allegheny uh, University. I believe it was in it was in Pennsylvania, up near uh, Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a little bit of a trip to watch my friend Manuel uh, and the Earlham Quakers get beat fifty to two by the Allegheny football team. <laughs> uh, that was a rough one, but uh, no, I, I traveling. You can't re- you can't really say traveling is your thing, but I've done a little bit more of it than you've, you've a lot gone, of people yeah. have. Um, I haven't even gotten to. You know, I've been to England. Didn't see a lot of it yet. Plan to go back. Um, been to Israel several times. Lived there for a summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Egypt, Jordan. Flew into. Look. I'll come back to that. Okay. Egypt, uh, Sir- been near the Syrian border and the Lebanese border. Obviously, didn't go in because I'm intelligent. They, oh. they don't care for us there. It's not. It's not that I don't want to see it. I would love to go to Damascus. I really would. But yeah, they don't care for us. So I've I've stayed away. What's that? What's not to like about us? I mean, you know. Oh shoot! I almost years, dropped my gun. Sorry. Years and I'm years just kidding. Of I'm war. just kidding. Yeah, years and years of wars. Yeah, supporting. Yeah. Supporting Israel when they don't really want us to. I mean, mean, yeah, well, they got the reasons, I guess. Um, The Lebanese were running war games while we were there, so our we we thought better that we probably shouldn't go see Beirut or anything. (laughs) uh, Honest to goodness, though, I was gonna say before before we move on Jordan, because I got good things and bad things to say about Israel. Uh, Just like any other country or state you visit, there's good things and bad things. Um, Jordan was fun. I, I was shocked by how much fun I had in Jordan. Um, predominantly Muslim country. Also has a very large Christian minority. Nice people. The king, uh, King Hussein, considers himself half, half Christian. His mother was a Christian woman. Oh, wow. Um, 
a very, very good leader, very, very gentlemanly, a man of state, very takes astute, his position yeah. very seriously. Um, cigarette prices, I had it on good authority, were the lowest in the freaking world. <laughs> was, there were people, I'm not kidding you, I went on a seminary trip. We landed in Amman and stayed there for a few days before we went over into Israel. I'm not kidding you. There were people that bought boxes of cartons and took them in their luggage home. I do not that's doubt it. How much, that's how cheap their cigarettes were. <laughs> and we got back to the airport and the dog, the dog's sniffing. And the dog actually pointed out a couple of them. And the guy looked in and he goes, eh, cigarettes are fine. Zipped it back <laughs> up. I mean, they were Marlboro. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Uh, so if, you ever, if you're a smoker, we don't condone nor condemn. Well, if you're no, a smoker. No. If you're a chewer, I have it on good authority. Tobacco is cheap in Amman, Jordan. Check it out. I'm going to schedule a flight over there, I do believe. We'll have to make, sure you got, make sure you got your stuff in order, though, because it is a predominantly Muslim country, and you know you want to have your stuff in order. So you don't think, I mean, you think I kind of stick out like a sore thumb a little bit over there? I stuck out like a sore thumb. Okay. I mean, but it's they're a prim and proper and proud people, so you want to have yourself together. Okay. Well, when you go to Jordan. Yeah. But, good. I mean, good people. Just, of all the places yeah. I've been, Israel included, Jordan was fun. Mm-hmm. I like Jordan. I, I would be more than happy to go back and just see Jordan because I'd like to see more of it. It's it's next to Iraq, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in Iraq that are Christian folks and that are Muslim folks and that are several other different faiths folks, and man, they're good people. I, I It opened my eyes when we went to Jordan that there are good people everywhere. But the people of Jordan were very friendly, very welcoming. I had a good time there. They're just trying to make a living. They're just like, trying to make they're a like living. everywhere else. Yeah, I uh, that. Very polite. They did. They did take our passports for a while, which made me uncomfortable. But um, other than that, it, it was a good time. Well, and they gave them back, and we went out, and uh, the king was actually at at the uh, the business office he works at. I don't know what it was called. Um, so I was hoping we'd get seen. We didn't. That dude flew sorties. A sortie is an Air Force mission, if you don't know. Flew sorties against ISIL. That dude is a bad dude. Whoa. Man. Yeah, he was in the Air Force, and he bombed positions. <laughs> like, that dude's no joke. That sounds like it. Mm. Like, a lot of people don't, you know, the monarchies are like a thing of the past. Yeah. That dude's all right. Yeah. King, King, uh, King... Jordan, nice guy. I'll, I'll give him props. Right. Runs a good country, don't Yeah, Jordan. yeah. <laughs> and they, they are as at peace with Israel as anybody there, so the crossing the border was very easy. And so it's basically like going from Ohio to Indiana. It is not. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. Well, maybe, okay. It's kind of like going from... The States to Mexico, kinda maybe? kind of like going from... Uh, Canada into the U.S. Maybe okay, would be a good. Okay, I agree. You know, okay. There's a little distrust there, but it's okay. You get all right. Okay. Um, coming in from Mexico to the U.S. is more like trying to go from Israel into Palestine and back. Oh, that's a little rough. Yeah. Okay. If you have an American passport, it's a lot easier than other passports. No. <laughs> because when you are super southern. Super American, and let's be honest, friends, let's grow up a little bit, super white, mm. you can flash that passport, and they'll wave at you and put their M16 down for a second, and everything's peachy. 
I'm going to tell you, for those of you who don't feel that racism exists in the world, I'm going to tell you a story here. I don't think I've ever told you this You story. might not. I don't think you have. Uh, I've seen it. It is real. And I'm going I'm to tell you two about traveling where I learned that racism is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And it exists. The first one was we were on a bus heading to the airport at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv near Jaffa. You may have heard of Jaffa I've from heard, the Bible. I know exactly where Jaffa is. I know about it was, Jaffa. It was the only natural port, and that's being polite, <laughs> on the rocky coast of the Mediterranean there. And that's where the airport is. And so the bus was taking us up. You pass four checkpoints heading to the airport. They're awfully picky. Mm-hmm. And the second one we went to, we had to have all our passports. We had to take our bags out. They had to look at them before we could go in. So... We all had our passports out, and this little dude gets on with his M16, which is bigger than him, and he's walking along, smiling, waving, oh, look at the white people, they're all nervous. <laughs> and uh, he got to the back, and we had a fellow with us who was black, mm-hmm. and he had been recording some things for a church down in Georgia, and he had grown a beard while oh. he was there. He hadn't shaved. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding you, this kid got to the back where he was sitting, and he had a couple of extra bags, because, of course, he had the equipment. Yeah. He put that gun in that dude's face and demanded to see his passport, hand it to me. Whoa. And he looked at it, and the dude's name was very American sounding, and he looked at it, and he checked some stuff off, handed it back to him, and goes, okay, have a good day. <laughs> That guy looked at all of us, and we looked at him, and he's like, well, that was the most racist thing that's happened to me this week. <laughs> I, was, I was appalled. I was uh, like, oh my lord, did he really just do that? Yeah, they can do that in Israel. They don't care. That's thing, the that's thing you learn the first time you go. They well profile, and they don't care what you think about it. Well. They don't have to. No, no. They, they don't I was care. just going to say, yeah, they, they're kind of in a position where they kind of have that liberty. So you would, I would love to be able to sit here and say the American passport gets you through. The American passport, if you look like you're not dangerous, yeah, I it's, mean it's it's profiling, and yeah, it's racist. So just know that that's out there. Um, also, I was um, walking through Hebron, which was where the tomb of the patriarchs are, a building built by Herod the Great. Still there, still pretty much in, intact from where it was 2,000 years ago. Uh, it's not like the temple, where the temple was destroyed by the Romans. Mm-hmm. This building was not. It's, st- it's still there, kind of in its own deal. But it's in an incredibly tense, charged area. It's one of the worst places. I think, did I give you the book on Hebron? Yeah, soldiers? you did. Yo, yeah. Um, oh, if it's anything like what I read, it it's, it's rough. Uh, they have a statue in a part of the city dedicated to a fellow that murdered a bunch of people in that building. They put a statue of him up in their town. Oh. As a, as like a remembrance of... So, uh, we were walking through uh, the Jewish part of town. That's where our bus took us, because there's Jewish part and Palestinian part. Because it's deep in Palestine. This mm-hmm. is not a Jewish-Israeli area. It's Palestine. But there is a group of folks who live there, from going back to the 68 and 72 wars that just, they have a community there. And we were getting eyeballed. A lot. And this young soldier come up to me, smiling. Very, very, very pleasant. I want to say that right off the bat. He was very pleasant, very nice about it. Mm -hmm. 
He said, uh, hey, man, how's it going? I said, not so bad. How are you? And he said, uh, well, it's that, it's that scarf. Because it was cold. Mm-hmm. We were up in the mountains. It was winter. I was cold. So I had the scarf on my neck. And he said, well, that's a Palestinian scarf. And I said, yeah, we're in Palestine, aren't we? He's like, actually, you're in the Jewish part of town. And I kind of looked around and I went, oh. <laughs> oh. He said, could you tuck that down under your jacket so nobody else sees that? And that's when I started to realize there were a couple dudes sizing me up to whip my butt. Oh, my. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And I kind of tucked it down. He goes, cool, man, thanks. And walked off. And there were a couple of uh, older um, African-American gals with us. And they said, young buck, you couldn't even take that for 10 minutes, could you? And I said, no, ma'am, I didn't care for that. And she's like, I deal with that every day. Wow. So I will debate it. I will listen to it. You're welcome to your opinion. But traveling in Israel taught me that racism exists, and it's silly to think it doesn't. Yeah, that's. that's I don't want. I, I will not go back to Hebron. I went twice. That was enough. Well, sound yeah. I mean, it. There's like hundreds of thousands of Palestinians live there, and then there's like fifteen, twenty thousand. I don't remember the exact numbers. It's probably less than that. Jews live there, and the Israeli army is on basically. Um, high alert, twenty four hours a day to protect that community. It's it's a mess there. It, the, it, U, the UN has a big presence there, trying to keep order, and they don't. <laughs> it's not their fault. I mean, they're trying. It's just part of the yeah. It's they put up the tarps in the marketplace because we went through the marketplace. It's the first time I ever saw a butchered camel. Really? They were selling it. I thought about it. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, give me a pound of that hump. You know. <laughs> so, uh, that's an inside joke. Keith Shalekti, holler out. Um, but, yeah, they had glass makers there. Interesting place, but there were tarps above all the buildings in the marketplace. And finally, this pastor from Oklahoma we were walking around with said, uh, what's the deal with the tarps? And our guide said, oh, the UN put that up so the soldiers won't shoot at us. No kidding. Because the Israelis have control of all the rooftops. Mm. Crazy. Yeah, crazy stuff. It's yeah. So I guess you could kind of say traveling's my thing. Yeah, I, I, I I'd agree. But you know, you learn a lot. Absolutely, yeah. You learn a lot, and um, you know, I'll probably become infamous now for calling people racist and everything. But that that was my experience. So um, you know, as you travel more, you learn stuff like that. I'm interested in going to Massachusetts, learn about you know. Witch trials, the earliest beginnings of this country, because you know the Plymouth Bay the Colony yeah, is there. The and, there, yeah. And you know the country that colony really succeeded in an area where you know they really didn't even mean to land. No, I mean it was totally by accident. You know why they landed? What they did? Was it a windstorm or something? They ran out of beer. Oh well, that'll do it. Well, that was you have to keep in mind. You couldn't drink salt water. Regular water was crap. So and ba- it wouldn't keep. Yeah, it would not. No. So basically, a little history lesson for all of you. In the basically the beginnings of civilization, beer became a a way for people to still be able to, to drink something to get hydrated. Um, and the reason being is because when it was brewed, it boiled out all the bacteria. Of course, they didn't know that back then. It's the reason why monks bre- uh, brewed beer. 
Um, and in London at the time, you could not drink the water of the Thames. It was, well, I mean, people were emptying chamber pots, dead bodies were in it, fill in the blank. So, I mean, where else did you expect Edward the First to put all those Scots in? <laughs> Um, but, uh, but no, what are you gonna do, right? well, it's part of the job. Um, but no beer, but they would drink beer. So typically everybody was usually it, there was an art, there was a, a scholar at the time. He wrote that there was a general haze in the population and it was attributed to everybody literally just being hammered. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, and it was, I mean, when you worked, you didn't take a water break, you took a beer break. When they land, when they were coming over to uh, America on the, the Mayflower, they would, um, they you know they had of course they had stores of beer on there and everything. They started running out, running low, and they had enough for they they knew kind of where they wanted to go, but you know it was one of those oh we're we're out of it, we're we're running low. Well, this looks like a good place. There's a big rock right there. Time to land. I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, <laughs> but I like to think that. But yeah, so look you know, look it up. Do some research on it. It's an interesting interesting thing. Uh, if you're a big beer drinker, um, just know that this country was began because we were running low on beer. And ever since then, there's been breweries upon breweries founded in this great nation. And we still enjoy it every single day, except Sunday. Well, except they've changed that now. But sorry, not to no, that's steal right. a story or anything. Steal it, go for it, man. And I've, I've got to tell you, so that's good stuff, pal. Well, you know, so you mentioned uh, Terre Haute earlier. I was going to tell. I had a great grandmother who she would always. I, I don't know why she. I think she grew up down there, but she said you cannot trust them girls from West Terre Haute. <laughs> that was that was what she said. I never heard her say it. Never got a chance to meet her. But my mom, when I started dating outside of high, after I got out of high school, she, I told her, I met a gal online, don't judge, it was 2012, so I mean, you know, it was 10 years ago. Nobody hating here. Um, but I met a girl, and she was down in southern Indiana, and she said, and mom asked, said, she ain't from West Terre Haute, is she? <laughs> no. Like, good. You can't trust them girls from West Terre Haute. And I'm like, what? She <laughs> told me all that, and I said, mom, why? I said, because... From what I understand, from what Mom told me and everything, I just still don't. I don't know if this is true or not. And I, this reason why I say, I don't know really know why, but apparently, she was dating a gentleman who got down there or was dating her, and apparently he left and he visited a house of ill repute. If you don't know what that is, Google the term "house of ill repute" and you'll find out what exactly it is. <laughs> Uh, and he, it was kind of like Bobby Boucher, you know, his daddy, uh, and, uh, I have fell in for a voodoo woman named Phyllis. Um, but, uh, so yeah, ever since she had a, she had a, a, a preconceived notion about them girls from West Terre Haute, and I, I kid you not, hand on heart, I legit... On the online, 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 there was a girl from West Terre Haute on there, and I mess. She did message me, and I messaged her back for a little bit, and 
I thought, no, I, I, I'm going to get haunted on this deal. I better oh, not. You know. Juju. If I marry this, if I end up marrying this woman, the, the wedding's going to be. Mom won't even come. No. <laughs> I can't do that. Like, if I introduce her to my mamma, she'll be like, oh, so where are you from? Oh, I'm from West Terre Haute. Get, get her, her out of here, Matt. Get her, get her out. out. That's, nope, nope, nope. We told you about this. <laughs> so. It's kind of like when you meet a woman who's got a tattoo of somebody else. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to bother me at some point. <laughs> Can't do that. Uh, anyone who listens to the show, we won't spend a ton of time on this. Anybody who listens to the show knows that we're both into wrestling insider oh, information. I knew you were going to bring it up. The the great Jim Cornette. The great Jim Ross. We'll listen to Bruce Pritchard. You know, there, there's a lot out there to be had. I've, I've kind of gotten into Jeff Jarrett's new show. Jeff Jarrett's got a lot of good stories. Uh, he was the guy who laid down for Hulk Hogan, you know, in the infamous mm-hmm. tale where WCW finally just cracked. Um, and also his dad is uh, Jerry Jarrett, who is our famous, huh? Hmm? Well, you know Ted. Yeah, the with the last one. Everybody knows Ted. Well, you take the graves. And... Yeah, he was a part of a lot of that good stuff. And he was part of the founding of TNA Wrestling, mm-hmm. so... Uh, big wrestling. Sometimes we go over to the house just watch old Raws. Oh yeah, best um, time, best time. And a lot of a lot of people scream about the Attitude Era, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, was actually doing a watch along today with Jim Ross on his show of a Raw from 1997, uh, where Brian Pillman was being religious in the episode, and Stone Cold's parting line for the episode was. You better give your soul to the Lord or somebody because your behind is mine. <laughs> it's just, just, that was, people don't understand how good there, Steve it, Austin was. He was Steve such, Williams is his Steve real Williams, name, but, but how good he was just with <sighs> everything. When he, and it was the way he did it. He wasn't just doing things. Like, when he drove that Zamboni in, he purposely it, ran over everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to show how crazy he was. And it's hilarious. It's, it's so... When he drove the beer truck in, and they're they're yelling at him, and we're going to come out there and get you. And he's just ignoring them, getting the hose out. <laughs> just spraying them down. But even, like, late 80s wrestling, when Bret Hart emerged, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, like, they were just... We're, we're big into the wrestling, the inside. And it's great to hear now all those tales from back when. Because you knew those guys were nuts. Oh, yeah. And they were. Yeah. They were oh, all yeah. insane. I mean, it, 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 well, it's also kind of cool to find out that a lot of these guys were legitimately... Like, they were friends with each other. They'd hang mm-hmm. out afterwards. And, I mean, as... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and to hear how they lived their gimmick. They, they weren't television characters. Ric Flair... Wore a suit and tie when he got on an airplane. Yeah, because he was the NWA champion and he was going to act like it. Exactly. You don't Hulk Hogan would stop and pose with every kid he saw because the Hulkamaniacs. That, that was his deal. The Macho Man talked like this, and you know, everywhere he went, and picked fights in Waffle Houses. I love that stuff. And to hear the insider information, and to hear from Jim Cornette, who's a world-famous booker. If you don't know who he is, look him up for heaven's sake. Oh, my gosh, yes. And listen to him talk about, well, if they would just do it like this, or they could do this with this guy. And you're like, why isn't he running a wrestling company right now? (laughs) Well, it's because people haven't really treated him with respect. And that's the reality of it. I mean, I just, I, I love it. 
I, and I don't apologize for it. I don't watch a lot of the modern stuff. Lauren and I tried AEW again because the Hardy Boys were on there, but man, they look forty-five. They're. <laughs> I mean, well, I that, love the Hardy Boys. When did they come on the scene? It was like yeah, ni- yeah, it was like ninety-eight, ninety-nine. They, didn't they have one of their first uh, TLCs like at WrestleMania two thousand, two thousand one? Yeah. Like so, it Edge has been around since like ninety-six, ninety-seven. Oh man, maybe, maybe ninety eight. So it's been it's been a hot minute, yeah. I mean, Chris Jericho's in his fifties, so. Well, I mean, but the thing about it is, I mean, for so long these guys have been the face of wrestling, and they still have people like me and you who are in our thirties, who we still we're watching it with the hope that something cool is going to happen, much like Stone Cold making a uh, reappearance in the Pat McAfee uh, match, which was probably the greatest thing I've seen all year. And uh, something that Jim Cornette said that rings true. It rings true every single time. He had a match with Kevin Owens the night before. And then it came out and rained on Vince McMahon's parade because Vince McMahon pinned Pat McAfee. Mm -hmm. Course, he got everyone to do the work for him, and Stone Cold came out and made him pay for it. And Jim Cornette said, Stone Cold looked his age, he could not do the things that he even he used to do, and which was minimalized by his injury from the Owen Hart deal. Mm-hmm. And he said, Not one person saw it because they just wanted him there. Yeah, they didn't care. It's brilliant. Oh, absolutely. And it's the attitude, it's how he carries himself. It's, Wait. He is that character. He absolutely, yeah. And when he walked out and he couldn't do the stomps, nobody gave a crap. And Jim said he couldn't do the stomps 25 years ago. But everybody loved it because they wanted to see Stone Cold. And he's got a line. He's been using it a lot lately. Um, You'll love this. He said, you know, Vince is just pawing at the crowd, and it's time is getting away, and you think they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And that glass hit, they threw the babies in the air, baby. <laughs> it, was all, it was on. But, I mean, it, it says something to a guy who, it's where those things where all the elements come together, and it, they just got it right. You know, and, you know, the attitude era is something, it's, it's from my childhood, because that's what I really grew up in. And... You know, you have all the, you know, you have The Rock, you have Stone Cold, you have all these guys who are coming together, and it just made for awesome entertainment to watch. I mean, these guys were masters of their craft. And to say that 20 years down the line, that night we watched that match, I felt like I was nine years old again. I really did. You suspend belief. Exactly. It's like, no. No, you kept saying, like, break the glass. Come on, come on. Like, dude, they're not going to do it. And then all of a sudden, bam! Like, oh! And the baby's going there. Oh! <laughs> but, yeah, and, and it, the reason I love it so much, if, if you're out there listening, you're just like, these hicks, why are they into it? <laughs> it's because there are so many correlations to real life. Oh, yeah. There are. I am a minister, and I am a teacher. And I will tell you... With tremendous vulnerability and honesty, in my craft, I have to get over with people. Mm-hmm. It's it's you only make it in wrestling if the audience decides you make it. Yeah. 
Because you can't shove them down people's throats forever because people quit paying to come. When you're in a classroom, on some level, the kids have to believe in you. When you're up front in front of a congregation, people have to believe in you. Can I be everything that they need me to be? No, nobody can. But if they believe in me and they know I believe in them, we get stuff done. Exactly. That's part of it. And that's a correlation to wrestling. That's something I learned as a kid. You've got to get over. You've got to make the effort I mean, to get over with people exactly. or people won't trust you. No. The reason why Hulk was, you know, Hulk Hogan was such a big deal. I mean, even when I was a kid, you still had, now granted, at the time, he was on uh, NWO. And so I kind of had still the tinges of Hulkamania mm-hmm. and everything. Everybody still had the yellow t-shirts and all that stuff. But people lost their minds when he went to NWO. But they people couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. But they still were fans of him. He just, he knew how to do it. He, a lot of people can't, the NWO shirt's the greatest selling shirt in the history of wrestling because people had, had to admit it was kind of awesome that Hulk Hogan turned his back on everybody yeah. and was like, I could do it without you, brother. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah. people fell in love yeah, with that. Yeah, it, it was just, that is one of those... I, mean, I don't need you people. I can do this on my own. I mean, like, you, I mean, you, well, it's like today. You see a, a shirt, like kids are wearing like vintage shirts and everything now. It's a big trend. Um, and you'll see a shirt that says Austin 316 on it every once in a while. It's like... My friend Manuel Myers still works out in the shirts he has from high school. Oh, That's my like God. Oh. Opening cans of whoop, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... But Still I mean, trying to keep this show Christian, folks. Mm-hmm. We're trying. But when you talk about wrestling, it's hard. Wrestling. Wrestling. Oh, yeah. But yeah, those, you know when they've got you because there's those moments where Vince McMahon is 76 years old. And he looks. And up. he came out and he looked 76 years old. old. But nobody cared. No, because he's it's Vince, Vince McMahon, McMahon. Yes, exactly. He took on Stone Cold Steve Austin. He took on his kids. He built that character. If you get over like that, I mean, you, people will suspend their belief. They they will not think about the things that they're seeing or the things they don't like because it's you. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. It's I a mean, beautiful thing. It, it is so, like I said, that whole match, when Austin's out there and you see him with Vince, it's like, it's like it's 2001 again. I mean, it, it just, it takes you back to that moment. It's real again. Exactly. It, it takes you back to, and again, and, and people out wonder, like, well, why is wrestling still such a big deal? Because you've got a bunch of people that are our age and older who grew up with some of the greatest talent that has ever graced the ring, and we still have that little twinge in our heart that we believe in it. We still like it. We know we know that it's scripted and all this stuff. We don't care. You don't have to believe wrestling is real. I know that most of the time <laughs> the well, guys are not really hitting it. Sometimes they do. Well, and they sometimes they do it on purpose. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it's part of the match and sometimes you get tatered. <laughs> <laughs> Tater's a wrestling term for somebody accidentally popping in. You, you get a receipt. I watched the 10 Greatest Receipts on YouTube the other day. So good. <laughs> the dudes are just like, yeah, I had it coming. 
but yeah, like CM Punk today, everyone knows wrestling is is not real. The outcome is determined. The the moves are coordinated. But when you see a guy like CM Punk, who's old school, who, mm-hmm. who gets the psychology of it, when you see him wrestle, it doesn't matter. You believe in him. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Nope. And it's the same way in WWE with Brock Lesnar. You always kind of wonder, is he okay? <laughs> like, when he's in the ring, he gets vicious with yeah, guys. He's he gets stiff. Rough. Yeah, he's, he's and a machine. I've seen... I've seen episodes of that show. There was one I'll never forget because I was sitting there and I said, Lauren, he really got him with those elbows. And she goes, oh, don't be ridiculous. And they showed it in slow-mo. He sliced John Cena open. He really got him with three or four elbows. And I'm like, do you think he meant to do that? You don't You don't know. Yeah, yeah you don't. Yeah. That's and I don't know it. that they ever said. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that was right when he came back from MMA and you're like, did he remember which sport yeah. he's in here? <laughs> Because if you don't know, Brock Lesnar is a WWE superstar. He was the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Legitimately. Yeah, he, he, I saw his matches and they were, yeah, he deserved, he earned that title. Yeah, he did. So. Oh. But. Well, all that to say that most of us probably have similar hobbies and interests, but I thought now we'd enter the portion of the show because we've got to be mindful. A snow cone stand open for the first day here mm-hmm. in Indiana, and we're going to try and make it on time. We'll see if we do. Uh, I wanted to bring up uh, three or four things that are very us. These are the things that are our hobbies or interests that are really us. Because you could say, oh, what's your thing? Oh, I like TV. Yeah, I'm sure you do, but that's not your thing. Everybody watches TV. Or movies or whatever. Well, not everybody. There's some weirdos out there. <laughs> what do you do? You play with dolls? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Like, wear other people's skin. Like <laughs> whatever you're doing. Probably shouldn't comment on that. There's probably some folks out there doing that. <laughs> um, one of them is, and none of you probably know about this because I don't think we've talked about it. I am a proprietor of American Sign Language. And uh, yes, I I can sign. I'm fairly. F- fluent. I'm planning on taking some classes starting this fall on how to be a little more official and interpretation and whatnot. And I'm really excited about ASL. I'm in here signing now. Um, I actually went and visited a class and kept up with them pretty good. So um, we're working on that. I dig it. If you don't, I, I don't know if I've told the story, but essentially it was there was a little girl at an elementary school I worked at who was fully deaf she couldn't hear it all and she had some implants and they were trying but um the school she was at she was a kindergartner so they weren't really ready for her. she had an interpreter mm-hmm. and i had kindergarten lunch so i dealt with her every day so i thought oh well I'll sh- i should pick up some sign you know when i get a chance so i can communicate with her and i saw a couple kids walk by and one of them was messing with her implant and kind of pulled it in her hair and they kind of laughed and ran away before she could see who did it. And I was like, oh, not on my watch. <laughs> and I went home that weekend and learned sign language so I could talk to her. Mm-hmm. And it's it's about communicating with people. I want to be able to minister to as many people as possible. I want to be able to communicate with as many people as possible. If they don't need my help, but I want to be able to work with that community. So that's something I've been working on. Uh, getting serious. Yeah. We're getting serious about it. Absolutely. So, 
Uh-huh. You know, like when um, when I was at the Eastern the previous two weeks working with kids, I, I would have went by Mr. G because when I was at that school, my sign was G. That oh. was how she, because there was already a D there. Mm-hmm. So if she needed me, she, she would hold up you know, G. She would hold it up and I'd walk over and she'd be like, She'd be like, I need a napkin. I was like, well, go get one. What are you doing? <laughs> so we talk so much crap about everybody. <laughs> Once I finally got to the point where I could communicate, one day I showed her the sign I'd learned for Spider-Man, and she's like, um, I like princesses. <laughs> so I had to learn all the princesses. I learned Ariel and Belle, and I, I learned all of them at a certain point. So uh, that's one of my interests. Um, yeah. I got a couple more here, but I don't know what what are you what is something that you're super into that maybe people wouldn't suspect. Well, I mean, my, my hobbies are are very uh, as I said at the beginning of the show. I'm a simple man of simple taste. We all know that. That's why we love you. You know, I one of my hobbies is I collect old books, as you do. I know, um, but I collect. I mean, I have. Three bookshelves that are almost completely full of books of everything. I have books all the way back from 18... I think the oldest book I have is like 1872. All the way up to something published like in 2020 or 2019. But in a range everything from... A lot of them are like mechanical books. You know, I can tell you exactly how to rebuild the distributor on a 29 Ford. Oh, yeah. Um, or I can also tell you about the American viewpoint of um, Cuba in 1943. Um, just generally positive at that point. Mm, no, you know, but... Well, you know. Well, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you're good. Um, but I, I collect those. Those are... And I, and I may... I heard something. You're going to love this. I took a reference from The Simpsons... And I ho- I held to it because it kind of struck a chord with me. Do you remember the the nineties episode, like where it was Marge and Homer in like the nineteen nineties? Marjorie. Yes. Well, she's like falling for her college professor, and he said she they're in his study, and she says, "Have you read all these books?" And he said, "Morally, I could not display them if I hadn't." And that struck a chord with me. It's the reason why I'm full of so much useless knowledge. Um, but I made a point. Every book that's on my shelf, I have read. Um, I I just I always I just have. Um, with the exception, I have a collection of Lou Lamore books that were my grandfather's. He bought when he was going through cancer treatments back in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, my grandmother gave them to me. She said, "These were your grandfather's. I know you're a big Western guy." Um, I want you to have them. So they're predominantly on my shelf, um, top shelf. Um, of course. But, you know, if I if you ever see me at a <clears throat> garage sale, auction, yard sale, whatever, uh, first off, mind your own business if you see me walk away with a couple boxes of books. Um, because I, I just love doing it. I love, this, I love a feel of a good book, like an old good book, you know. Um, and the knowledge that's in them, I mean, I have paid up a little bit for some of the books I have. I have a uh, Navy manual from 1943. Now you're talking. Oh. 
Shut up and take my money. I had I I was I was at a flea market and I was walking through and the guy had a bunch of old books so I spent like a half hour looking through all of them, and I found this one and it's in rough shape. It is in very rough shape, but that means that it was well used. Um, I asked the guy I said because he had like a like two bucks on every book. I said, hey, we got on this old book here. And he looked at it and he said, oh, 50 bucks. Woo, hang on here. Not 50. You mean five? No. I know what this book is. It's 50. I got it off the original owner. And he, I know I, I had no reason to doubt he did because um, he was an estate buyer. And I said, well, I don't know. And said, where are you going to find another one? Of course, this is before I found out eBay existed, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I said, I don't know. How about, I, I can do 20. Eh, I'll knock it down to 40. How about 30? Deal. Um, but, you know, there's been books that I have, um, I've bid on. And I went up to, there was one, it was a, it was a Masonic book that was published in 1893. Get some. I went to 180 bucks on it and quit. Because all of a sudden I realized I was about to spend 180 bucks on a book well that's just the end of the sentence I was going to spend 180 bucks on a book and I know that my wife would not have allowed me to sleep in the house um, for a couple months the book would have been in there but you wouldn't have been in there no no the book would have been in the truck with me sleeping Uh, (laughs) but I I don't know if that was the investment maybe she throws that book up on the shelf in the bedroom (laughs) (laughs) keep it close oh yeah it's like oh there's our you know taking people through the tour like oh yes this is our Lovely uh, couch and everything. This is our uh, little knick-knack area. And that's the book Matt spent $180 on. It's our investment. Well, what's it worth now? 50 bucks. <laughs> but um, but books are a big thing I, I'm passionate about. Um, can't, can't forget, on the same shelves, kind of smattered through. And also, right here, um, the reason why I bought it, I'm a big toy guy. As you well know, mm-hmm. and I, I've started to call myself a toy collector because, um, and a toy aficionado because uh, my wife a couple weeks ago was kind of sprucing up my office because it needed it, um, and it irritated me because I couldn't find anything after she did it. But I said. I was going, you know, and she said, how many toys do you have? And I said, I don't know, I lost track. She said, are you just, are you going from like farm machinery auctioneer to a toy auctioneer? No, 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 no. I just, you know, if I see a cool toy or something, I... I ain't selling these. These No, no, these are are all mine. I'm dying with these, you know. But I mean, and what changed, primarily it used to be farm toys, and I still collect a lot of those. As a matter of fact, I bought two of them yesterday. Don't judge. Um... But I started. I started buying the. A um, couple weeks ago, I was at a sale, and they had a box of old GI Joes from the eighties. The little three and three quarter yeah, inch. Poppy. Oh, mm-hmm. Didn't have any of the vehicles, but I bought like you know you had uh, Lady J, you had you know all these guys in there, and they're so cool. I don't know oh, why. They're just cool. so cool. Well, those toys were the stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of, it dawned on me. I'm like, oh, wait. I think I'm a toy guy. So, and 
you know, I always pride myself on keeping up to date on certain things like that. And toys is one of those things. Because toys are fun. Toys are cool. They, you know, I'm big on nostalgia. They bring back my childhood. I'm sorry. They do. Side note, if anybody's listening to this, and you are a G.I. Joe, uh, if you collected them back in the 80s, and you happen to have the USS Flag, which was the biggest toy that they ever made for the G.I. Joe line, the Real American Hero line, it is a seven-foot-long aircraft carrier that they sold. It was 150 bucks in 1987. 85. Um, if you have one and you just want to get rid of it, reach out to the show. They're worth like $1,000 now, by the way. Just, you know. But uh, toys are my, my big things. Um, you know. But like I say, I'm a simple guy. I love walking through the woods. It's a hobby of mine. Wrestling's a good, is a hobby of mine. Um, but... You know, like I say, I, I have a lot of different hobbies. Going to tractor shows, they're like antique car shows, but cooler. Um, and I, at the heart of this, the big the big thing, the big hobby that I have is history. And I don't, I know you can't really say history is a hobby, but it is for me. You know, I love reading about the founding of our nation. You know, George Washington and Benjamin Franklin, those guys founding and creating this country. Absolutely. Um, as we say on this show, when men were, were men. men. I mean, it just, oh, I love every aspect of that. Um, so it's become quite a hobby of mine. Old westerns, old sh- basically old TV from like the 60s all the way up to about the early 2000s. Matlock, Perry Mason, you know, Gunsmoke, all them old, you know, good shows. Um, documentaries. I, I love, I mean, I'm just big in nostalgia. And actually, you know, some people say that the reason why we're so nostalgic is because we have been hurt so much in our adult life. We just want to go back and live when we were like 12 or 14. I don't. I, I don't. I just like the, I just like the crap I had, I had. And now I'm to a point where I have adult money and I can buy adult things. And yet I still spend, you know, 40 bucks on Turbo Man. Absolutely. I spent the 30 or whatever for my Wesley bobblehead, which is one of my good ones. I mean, I of just, course, you, you, you splurged on my Al Bundy deal here. I, I did, yes. Which uh, I appreciate. Well, I, as I said, even back then, I was quite the toy man, was I not? You I mean, were, yes. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I just, I get, I get so tickled with uh, the men were men comments because, you know, People today are just—we're so conscious of everything, and we think we know so much. And I guarantee, if you got into a time machine and went back and met your great grandfather in the 1920s and said, "You know, those cigarettes will kill you," and he'd be like, "Promise." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's—it's it's just, and I guess I, I mean, mean it's just society has just changed. We got soft. So much. Yeah, we, we well, got... Well, even if you don't want to say we've gotten soft, things are just so different now. Yeah. We're, we feel like... Because we, we've trained ourselves. We've trained our young people to think a certain way, and that's what we're getting. We were warned about that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, we think... if Well, if we could go back in time and just explain, 
I promise you, if you went back to 1862 and said, you know, if you go to that battle, you might you might die. He's like, I would gladly die for this cause. Exactly. Like, yeah, you they, don't they have it. They wouldn't care. No, and you don't well, have you know it. Those cigarettes could kill you. So could Billy Ribs. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. No. I mean, I want to feel good when I go, don't I? <laughs> you know, or you know, to go back to Washington and be like, you know, whiskey's bad for you. He's like, I've got wooden teeth. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just. Oh, excuse me. That Virginia English. Oh yes, I have wooden teeth. I've heard. <laughs> I've, I, you ever look at pictures of old presidents? Just think. That's another fun thing I do. Oh, I look pre- at pictures yes. of old presidents yeah. and just think what they sounded like. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, Zachary Taylor always sounded a lot like a guy from Fellerton. Pro- oh. Because he just got that look about yeah, him. Yeah, he does. Yeah. You know, and the guys like like Lincoln clearly had that, that shrill. Teddy Roosevelt clearly had that New York accent. Oh. As did FDR. Yeah. yeah. Cousins from the same Well, area. you know, but. Or, you know, I, I can't do JFK right now, but, you know, get nah, I can't do it right now. We got I have to get in the right frame of mind, but it's fun to look at those old pictures. Like, you look at the portraits, <laughs> and then you see the real pictures of guys like going way back. Like John Quincy Adams, I think, is the earliest one that mm-hmm. actually got photographed. First president to ever be photographed. And you look at him, and you're just like, I bet he was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you look at him, and you're like, Oh God, he looks like a jerk. You know, or, or whatever. Yeah. The Andrew Jackson picture scares the crap out of me. Um, who who else does? Not Daniel Webster. Uh, John C. Calhoun. Holy cow, that dude looked like oh somebody opened Pandora's box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I know he was ill towards the end of his oh, life. Oh, yeah, but, but even still. Man. Yeah. Uh, John C. Calhoun, a great United States, I believe, senator, uh, died of tuberculosis. So mm-hmm. I don't want to pick on him. But well. you look at pictures of some of these guys, and you're like, clearly photography was not a thing. <laughs> like, at that point. Absolutely. But then as it goes on, you know, you get to Zachary Taylor... Millard Fillmore, Abraham Lincoln. Like, clearly, they're like, we should dress these guys up, do their Yeah, hair. kind of make them look <laughs> a little know, bit nicer, so, you know. Because early on, it was just like, nah, just take a picture of him. What could have hurt? Yeah, like, I mean. Oh, okay. We need oh. to rethink this. <laughs> I mean, that's not just them. That's everybody. Yeah. You know, when they first figured out photography, they're like, we'll be able to remember this forever. But we probably should. Do we really <laughs> want to? Well, you know, Lincoln was actually the first one that people legitimately wanted to have a photograph of. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it was a big deal to have a photograph of the president in the paper and everything, but Lincoln was so well-liked because of his appearance. People legitimately would spend hard-earned money on the, um, the what they call, used to call parlor cards. You would you know buy a picture, and it would be in like a frame or in a cabinet, and that was like the focal point. That was your like big deal that you would talk about. Oh, you've got a picture of Lincoln and your a President Lincoln in your house. Yes, I do. We actually were talking this morning. Mark Smoot opened our church service talking about. Do you know that like a day or two ago was the anniversary of the Lincoln train coming through this area? Came through at like five in the morning. And people gathered all. I mean, by the by the acres. Yes, is how it was measured. To see the train go by. Yeah. We've we've analyzed the Civil War to death so much that there is no way we could understand how beloved he was. Oh, no. I mean, People in the North would have taken his place a hundred times if they could have. No, absolutely. People loved Abraham Lincoln. 
I mean, that was he was one of the first presidents who legitimately had. There was a reason why to have. Why, well, I shouldn't say that. Washington was the first that legitimately that legitimized a popular vote. Lincoln was the second, in my book, at least. I mean, because you have a man who has vision. You have a guy who's legitimately just wanting the best for his country. He loves it so much that he's willing to go and do well, this to job. Stick to the bitter end. Exactly. I mean, this guy just fought like you know, and I mean, you can see it in the later photographs of him. He is beat, um, and you know, he's just a guy. I mean, if if you if you want to know how beloved and how well thought of Abraham Lincoln was, consider the following. Ulysses S. Grant was a known alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Was uh, not highly thought of at certain points in the Civil War because of that. And he won two terms, and they were considering running him for a third, third. Mm-hmm. because of the Lincoln rub. Yeah. He legit, I mean, there's a photograph. Now, Ulysses S. Grant was a great man and a great general. I have a very high opinion of him, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. Uh, the savior of the Union Army. Man, Lincoln was a saver of the Union. Yeah. I mean... Grant saved the Army, and he won that war. But Lincoln but saved Lincoln the country. Lincoln saved the country. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, and it's just... And that uh, he, I bet he could have won the third. Honestly, he, 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 he honestly could have. The Republican Party just basically was like, we got to find somebody else to run. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a, a, a lot of historians don't think highly of him as president. Even though he did get rid of the KKK for a while, yeah, and did did some very good things. He, he basically a lot of people, and I've heard some scholars say that he was likened to, um, you know, he he was likened to basically picking up the torch where Lincoln had left it in a, in a sense, because um, he legitimately was trying to, because he had learned so much, he had seen what he was trying to do, and he was hated for it so much by a group of people. That, you know, he kind of, it struck in his mind, hey, wait a second. This guy is hated by this entire quote-unquote country because he's wanting to enact this. You know what? I think the old boy might have been onto something. Let's kind of dive into it a little bit. And he did. I mean, he did. And, and that's one of the reasons why I love history so much is because you see these great, awesome um, well, there's a photograph of uh, Lincoln and uh, Grant together on the battlefield. <coughs> well, I mean, Lincoln thought enough of Grant that when his son wanted to serve, he sent him to work for Grant. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it just, it boggles the mind. And I would pay every dollar that I had. I would even sell the shoes off of my feet for the opportunity to go back in time just to hear the conversations between him, between those two of them that day. Just to hear... I mean, it, <coughs> it might not have been anything great. Well, the weather around here is pretty crappy or whatever. Well, I don't you, care. If you listen to Sherman and Sheridan, who lived... I, I'm not sure about Sherman. I know Sheridan lived, I think, quite a bit longer, but uh, if you listen to Sherman and Sheridan, who were quoted a lot more, mm-hmm. and the people who served around them... The conversations between Lincoln and Grant were just otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And that kind of rub off of somebody, like, we cannot possibly fathom today 
Oh, Lincoln was the greatest president of all time. But do you understand what that means? Yeah. People stood in line next to a train track for days just to see the train go by that was carrying his body to burial. Anybody doing that for Joe Biden? Anybody doing that for Donald Trump? Anybody doing that for Bill Clinton? No. That's how great that, Abraham mm-hmm. Lincoln was. And none of these people had ever seen him. No. I mean, you he was were... a senator, or state senator, and a, and a rep from Illinois. Nobody else knew anything about him. Nope. They just knew that he was from, you know, he was from Illinois. and You might was... see a picture of him in the paper. Yeah, that was about it's it. It's not like he traveled to your state and spoke and... To the point where, I think it's a million ways to die in the West, they had Gilbert Gottfried dressed up as Abraham Lincoln (laughs) and sent him out to talk to people. So, I mean, that's what I'm... And I think Lincoln had been dead for like 20 years years by that point. But, uh, no, it's just... That that was interesting to me. We talked about that this morning. And I know presidential history is something that... I just bought a book recently. I'm still kind of going through about presidential history. And... um, to see the eras like we will never be able to fully comprehend how people felt about Abraham Lincoln like, oh. in that in that time yeah it's how devastating it was that he to was... lose him to the point where Johnson was so anti Lincoln's that that's the president who followed Abraham Lincoln he was so anti Lincoln's agenda that they tried, they impeached him, and by one yeah. vote, he stayed in office. Yeah, like that's that, how little they thought of him, and how much they thought of Abraham Lincoln. He was dead, and they're like, "Nope, you're going to do it Lincoln's yeah. way, or you ain't going <laughs> to do it at all." I mean, that's that's it's one of those things that I mean, it, it's one of the reasons why I well, one I should say, yeah, I say it is one of the reasons, but I mean, he and I. We share the same ideology. I mean, I share a lot of the same ideology with the guy. I do. I mean, he's one of my. I mean, he's my. Well, we know who my favorite president is. Let's not. Let's not mince words here, old Ronnie. Uh, Will. Um, but. But Lincoln. Mr. Heath, tear down this wall. Oh. But, uh, you know, Lincoln is a very close second, and then of course. Washington and Teddy Roosevelt, Eisenhower, they all kind of fight for third. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to do this on, on air. I'll wait until we're done. But i got to tell you something I heard about Ronnie this week. He ain't going to like in U.S. history. I might have to come in and debate. Oh, well, that might be our next, That might be the next episode, maybe. Well, we'll know. see. I'll tell we'll you see. after we're done here. I want to... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was thinking about pulling this thing into port with my, with my last thing. It's very unique to me. We were go talking ahead. about it before we came on air. Uh, we live in on the edge of Tornado Alley. Uh, a lot of states wouldn't really consider us Tornado Alley, but Indiana's up a high on the list, mm-hmm. top ten as far as tornadoes uh, among states in the union. We're nowhere near Oklahoma's numbers, but we're pre- we're pretty highly rated. Um, it stinks. We don't like it. It tears stuff up, but they're there. It's part of it. Um, <coughs> I've been known to chase them from time to time. But I have a lot more fun playing a game that my wife and I came up with after we first got married. Because there was a tornado that went through, and I actually, my car got hit by a tree. Mm. I'm not making that up. Yeah. tore up my tires really bad and took off my front bumper. Uh, it just got thrown in the middle of the road, and I was like, ah! 
Not good. Don't no, run over. Uh, no, no. There were power lines there, so that was scary that night. We didn't even know it was a severe thunderstorm. We didn't even know anything went through when I ran over a tree and power lines and all kinds of crap. Um, but we would go out the night after storms because that was really the last time I seriously chased stuff because I just forget that. Mm-hmm. You get that bill and you're like, no thanks. No, I'm good. <laughs> um, <coughs> I don't have a corporate sponsor like some people. No. Well, we go out the day after when it's daylight and we can see everything and it's, you know, if there's a road closure, we aren't going to go through it. We play a game called Tornado Damage or Just Like That. And here's how you play. You drive along till you see a damaged building of some sorts. Maybe it's missing a roof. Maybe it's missing a wall. Who knows? And you try to figure to yourself, was that tornado damage? Or is that just like that? <laughs> In Indiana, people don't particularly care for their barns and their buildings like they should. At least, you know respectful farm folks do, but mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. And we went by a building that at that morning after we were out in her car looking around at everything, and there was a building missing a roof. The problem was there was no evidence that the roof was anywhere near it, which usually tornado damage, it's kind of scattered. Mm-hmm. So we determined that was just like that. <laughs> that is a unique Glenn Davis activity where yeah. I will drive around Tornado damage, or just like some of them, you find it on the same block, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. There was a building that got ripped apart a year or two ago out uh, on what's I believe called New Road. It's out by closer to six hundred, and on that same road there was another building missing a wall, and it turned out that wall just fell over. <laughs> I I knew the guy. I yeah. asked him. He's like, Nah, that fell over. I'm not, I'm just gonna take the whole thing down. <laughs> so, fun game. Tornado no, absolutely, damage, yeah. Or just like that. So. Oh, you got anything else for no, us? No, I'm good. I mean, I, you know how simple of a guy I am. I'm a little boring, I'll be honest. I just sit there with my books and my toys, and mo- I, I do build models. I, I I'm a, started that as a therapy after Mom died. Um, took my mind off a lot of stuff, put a lot of concentration on it, and um, had a lot of fun. I mean, I've built the Titanic, half a dozen cars. I built the DeLorean from Back to the Future. But I built the one with the rail car wheels on it, the train wheels, from uh, part three. But I mean, you know, it's like I say, I'm a pretty. I, I liken myself to a, basically like a 19th century man about town, a gentleman, if you will. Absolutely. Yes. When the mobsters wore suits, and so did the cops. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, simple. I'm mean, a simple guy. I mean. You, I mean, you. It's it's not super hard to shop for me for Christmas. I'll be honest, uh, or my birthday, um, August twenty seventh. If you're curious and you're out there and want to send a gift, um, but you know, get me a cool toy, a Batman toy or something like that, farm toy. Get me an old book about something that I might like. Whatever. Um, I guess Freemasonry is not really a hobby, but it is an interest. Um, as well, um, as you know, I am a Freemason, and that might be a show we talk about. Um, get into it. I don't know. Or I, I could just run the interview there and just let yeah, you go. Exactly. Yeah, we might Take do the that. Night off. Yeah, night, yeah. Right? There you go. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, a simple guy, and you know, if you want to hang out with me, if you want to talk toys or anything, look me up. I'm usually at a flea market or a tractor show or something. We'll hang out. We'll talk. 
But that's all I that's all I've got for the night. That's 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 all me. Well, I was I was gonna close. I don't think I told you this earlier. If I did, just play along. Mm-hmm. Uh, this being two guys who happen to be pastors, I'll I'll share a thought here because of course I've in my travels and in my schooling I've met some interesting people. And this morning a story from seminary came up, and not a lot of my stories from seminary come up in my messages because seminary was a difficult time for me, and I didn't have a real good time doing it. Um, but there were a few good ones, and one of them came up today. Um, we were talking about the sacrificial system today here at Willow Branch. If you don't know, the Hebrew people used to sacrifice. That was a means of grace. They would sacrifice animals, crops, whatever it would be, to gain access to the temple to, to get a means of grace. That was their means to get grace from God. And um, I remember there was a guy in seminary who raised his hand one day. We were talking about the system, looking at pictures, looking at diagrams. And hearing testimony from your know, Jewish scholars, historians, and he said, "Wow, wouldn't that be gross?" And the professor said, "Okay, elaborate. What What do you mean?" He said, "Well, they're just butchering animals all day and throwing them on fires. I mean, were people getting sick? Was it nasty?" And I remember sitting in my seat looking at that kid, going, "You're not from around here, are you?" Because <laughs> folks, think about it. Where else do animals get butchered and thrown on fires? Barbecue Barbecue. joints. Yeah. Have you ever driven by a barbecue joint and thought to yourself, wow, that's disgusting? No. I haven't. No. (laughs) When I drive by it, my first thought is, where's the parking lot? Shut up and take my money. (laughs) Pound brisket, barbecue sauce, now. Mm. So, folks... If you got biblical questions, send it to us. It wasn't gross. The whole point of a whole burnt offering, which is something that's talked about a lot in the Bible, was you threw a whole bull or a ram or something like that onto a fire so that the smoke and the scents and the flavors would entice God Almighty. Mm -hmm. You were giving the whole thing to him. Entice him, soothe him to where he would be willing to give you grace for the stupid stuff that you had done that got you there in the first place. Mm Mm-hmm. So, relax with the Bible stuff. It doesn't all have to be crazy. And if you think you would have gotten sick, it's fine. Go be Egyptian. Okay? I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. I should assume something with cats or cool hieroglyphics, which would also be fine. Yeah, you know. But, um, now the way they did it was the sacrificial system. And, honestly, you know, you just think, cooking meat all day, I've I've been in kitchens where that's the case, and it's pleasant to me. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, we're going to get out of here on that note, folks. Another hobby of mine mm-hmm. is the ancient Jewish history. I've got a model of the temple in here. I've got different diagrams. But we've talked your ear off tonight. We thank you for tuning in. Um, wherever you're finding us, we're glad you are, and uh, we're glad that you let us into your life. So good night, Lindy and Kessid. Um, Lindy, who's babysitting her baby brother today, so she'll be ready to go to bed tonight. <laughs> And uh, good morning, Vladivostok, where uh, Vladimir Putin still sucks. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody.